Here are five mistakes you need to avoid if you're hoping to use tracks on stage. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Behind the Space Bar. This is the podcast for musicians, music directors, playback techs, really anyone that's using Ableton Live on stage. If that sounds like you, or something you hope to do, or a person you hope to be, sometime in the future, then you're in the right place. So every single Monday, I post a brand new episode of Behind the Space Bar. Um, and this is fun. You know, every single day on the YouTube channel, I press, post a new tutorial. Uh, Mondays are Behind the Space Bar. It gives me a chance to kind of just do like a little mini workshop, a mini um, tutorial sometimes. So uh, it's a lot of me talking, but I try to keep it super short and sweet. Today, it's gonna be super short and sweet because I just have five things I wanna share, five mistakes I wanna help you avoid um, uh, when it comes to using tracks. So if you're already using tracks, then if, you, if I say one of these five things, stop it immediately. Two, if you're uh, considering or about to start using tracks, these are things to avoid. Okay, let's start off at the top. Number one mistake to avoid when using tracks on stage is faking it. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, putting lead vocal in the tracks, having guitar solos on the tracks, and basically having someone stand on stage and just kind of mime and play. If you think back to Millie Vanilli, Ashley Simpson, there's a lot of different scenarios that uh, may pop into your head that you remember uh, Mariah Carey, uh, that New Year's Eve where people get caught cheating. Um, number one mistake people use, uh, not necessarily number one, but number one on my list uh, when it comes to using tracks is faking it. Now, I say this fully knowing there are pop artists on the road that are traveling, doing four shows a week for you know 30 weeks a year straight, if not more, um, and the show is bigger than the musicianship and the artistry, and because of that, they choose to put lead vocals in the track or whatever. For those people that are doing that, they spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money, or they should, on working with people to make sure that that is, is a small part of the show, right? That the production is bigger than the lead singer's vocal performance. Uh, and that's people that, uh, people do not come to a show to hear that person sing. It's more to see the entire experience. So 100% that happens, right? But I am just talking about, uh, the, a story I always think about when it comes to this is uh, a friend of mine said he went to a church one Christmas and they were doing this song, Miraculum, which is by Lincoln Brewster, which if you're not familiar who that is, it's an incredible, incredible guitar player. But it's basically like a, a, a medley of Carol the Bells, of uh, worship leaders, you let me know what else is in there. But Carol the Bells, a lot of kind of guitar stuff. Um, really, really cool song, cool Christmas song that, you know, not just a church can do it, anyone can do it. But they went to a church and they were doing this song. They were doing Miraculum by um, Lincoln Brewster and it came to the guitar solo. And all of a sudden they heard the guitar solo and they just saw a guitar player back there like do 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 you know, playing power chords. But you hear this blazing guitar solo. And they said they just kind of sat there like, what the heck is happening? So number one, um, again, not number one mistake, but uh, number one on the list of mistakes to avoid is faking it, right? If you can't perform that song, if you can't play Miraculum at Christmas time or don't have the guitar player to do it, then don't do it. And I understand Maybe there's some context where everything is built around that and you just gotta make it work. Well, in that case, have that guitar player just shred, but turn around, you know, play on their back, like do crazy stuff so that uh, at least if you are faking it, no one can actually tell you are faking it. Okay, mistake number two that people make when it comes to using tracks is they do not make tracks a part of the band. This is what I mean by that. I made some notes here. Uh, the bands play and the tracks play, right? They literally, I think of uh, my friends that are worship leaders that go and buy tracks from someone 
uh, multi-track, sloop community, praise charts. They open up their session and literally press play. Um, my, my friends that are working with artists that get tracks from the producer and they just, just fly all the stems in and they press play. And um, they're not muting parts, they're not removing parts, they're not telling the band, okay, band will play this, tracks will do this. Uh, they're not telling the keys player, hey, let's keep the pad in the tracks and you just play piano. They're just literally pressing play on tracks and, and having the band play. Um, that is not going to make things sound sound good. Uh, there's, there's this pet peeve I have, uh, particularly, you know, my starting experience is, is using tracks for uh, for churches and teaching churches how to do that. And for many, many years, one of the reasons we tried to tell churches that they should use tracks is because their band will sound fuller. Now, the reality of this is you could use that, I guess, in any context, not just a church context, but like three people on stage could sound like eight people. But the reality is a fuller sound isn't necessarily a better sound. I know what people mean when they say that. I, it sound like the record, you know, I think that's a better way to say it. Um, you know, fill in for missing musicians. That's a good way to say it. But to say a full sound, sometimes I just go full sound isn't a great sound. So again, I've literally seen people open stems up and just press play, spend no time, no effort to it. The band just kind of plays and it's a disaster of a scenario. It's, it's not very, very, very good. Related to that, number three, kind of the flip side of this, number three mistake to avoid when using tracks is you don't treat tracks like an instrument. What I mean by that is you don't prepare. You don't put forth effort. You press play on your tracks. Each one of your tracks is a different volume. Pet peeve of mine, you press play. No one in the audience can tell this, but you've got a different click sound for every song, different cue sounds for every song. Uh, you, you're not caring about it. You think it's just a computer. I load tracks in, I press go. It's not a computer. Tracks are not just a thing that you cheat. It's not just a thing that you have to do. Um, it's an instrument. It should be part of your band. You should take the effort, the time to really care for your band well. Um, I don't care if you're a cover band. I don't care if you're a band playing giant stadiums. I don't care if you're, uh, you know, playing, um, you know, w weddings and, you know, 30 people or less. I don't care if you're a worship leader, whatever your context is, care for your band well by preparing your stems well. Um, I'm, I'm so thankful for the From Studio Stage students, uh, people that are part of the community that have joined because they have that desire to care for their band well. And they wanted to go beyond what they found on YouTube tutorials. And again, I'm trying to do my best to put as much good content out there as YouTube tutorials, but there's only so far you can go. You, you can't understand why, you can only understand how, that sort of thing, but they're committing to learning how to care for their band well. Uh, and they're doing that by going, I'm gonna put the time into making sure my volumes are consistent, my click sounds are the same, my cue sounds are the same, I'm gonna add cues throughout my song, uh, I'm gonna organize my set so that I'm caring well and thinking of it as an instrument. And then just from a musical standpoint, we're gonna think about what parts will the band play, what things will be in the stems, what will we take out of the stems so that the band can play, what will we, have the stems played that the band can't play. We take effort and time and think like a music producer when we're using stems as opposed to just opening in a file and pressing play. Um, the bonus tip here, I'm not gonna say number four, it's a bonus tip uh, or mistake that people make when it comes to using tracks is they do not subscribe to the From Studio to Stage YouTube channel. So uh, don't be a fool, don't make that mistake. Subscribe to the From Studio to Stage YouTube channel, enable the bell icon. I go live every single day, 10 a.m. Central, with a brand new tutorial showing you how to use Ableton Live, how to use tracks on stage, perform like a pro uh, on stage with Ableton Live. Uh, and if that's something you're 
you're interested in learning how to do, the YouTube channel is a great way to start. It's completely free. And again, you get a brand new tutorial every single day. Now, number four, what's the number four mistake people make, uh, things you should avoid when using tracks is they are locked into the arrangement. And by that, I mean, they think we're using tracks. So that means we have two measure count in and then we do the full song and there's no repeating, there's no jumping around, there's no editing, there's no changing. Um, they, they play the song, and if you're like some of my friends that particularly in church world, think, okay, well, we use tracks, so we can't have freedom and flexibility, so we use a count-in, we do the song exactly as it is, then we wait to the end, and then we, we blurb on and on and on for six minutes straight, and we have spontaneity because we think we can't have freedom and flexibility within the song. And then as someone sitting in the audience, congregation, whatever the heck you want to call it, uh, you listen and go, oh, well, the first four minutes of that song sounded great. The last three sounded awful because there was no tracks and they just kept repeating things. Um, number four, you don't have to be locked into an arrangement. I don't care if you're using Playback, Prime, Ableton Live. Uh, all three of those apps in a worship context allow you to have flexibility and freedom to jump around. If you're um, doing this, not in a church context, but again, you're doing this as a cover band, uh, as a band out on the road, traveling, playing your own songs, um, your live show doesn't have to feel like someone just put a CD, if you remember those, into the CD player and press play. And it's like, oh, the band's playing it live, stop, lights down, and lights up, and another song, and lights down. Lights up, lights out. Like that is the worst type of show in the world to me to go to is someone that just steps on stage, plays their songs and gets off stage. Um, have the freedom and flexibility in the middle of a song to like tell us the story of this song where the band is playing behind you. Have the freedom and flexibility to extend the intro, to repeat the intro based on the moment. Um, maybe the guitar solo is a little longer, maybe it's a little shorter. Um, have the freedom and flexibility to not be locked into the arrangement because you don't have to be. Um, again, Ableton Live allows you to do that incredibly, incredibly easy. You'll learn how to do that if you become a part of the From Studio Stage community, and you'll learn uh, bits and pieces on how to do that if you become a From Studio to Stage YouTube subscriber as well. Two, number five, final mistake people make, thing you need to avoid when it comes to using tracks, is they don't edit to fit their context. Now, this kind of relates to the previous one, but this is a scenario I see all the time where people, you know, right now I'm formatting stems for a show that's gonna happen by the time this airs, it happened last week, so let's hope it went well. Actually, by the time this airs, it'll happen um, uh, a week uh, before this episode airs, so we'll see how it goes. But um, I'm spending some time editing stems, and these stems came right from the, the producer in a lot of scenarios, uh, right from the mix engineer. And what you'll see is the intros are super long, the outros are like eight measures too long. What I see so many people do because they're so afraid of breaking something, they're so afraid of messing something up, is they build a set with all their songs like that, and you get to the end of a song and everyone just kind of sits around and twiddles their thumbs and maybe listens to this cool outro that sounded really good on a record, or this cool intro that's 16 measures long that live is just like, man, this is a freaking snooze fest. Like, I'm ready. I love this song, but get through this intro. The context doesn't, you know, the, this scenario doesn't fit, right? The context doesn't uh, tend towards, like, we should have really long intros in this scenario. Now, you got to know your context. you got to know what works. But if you got your files in Ableton Live, take advantage of editing, editing them. Use your edit time commands. Use cut time, delete time, um, duplicate time, paste time. Like... Uh, add crossfades between stuff. You can literally take your song, take it from the record that you just recorded, and you could go, okay, how can 
this best be translated live? How can we best do this live? And a lot of times that means cutting some of the fluff at the beginning, some of the fluff at the end, maybe doing a shorter bridge, maybe doing a longer bridge. If there's a part of the song that uh, really hits, really connects with an audience, and you feel like on the record you couldn't do that because you need to be sub four minutes or whatever for radio, like change that live, tweak it. Don't make your live show just feel like lights up, lights down, lights up, lights down, you know, song one, song two, song three. So take some time and edit your tracks to fit your context. And again, I think the most important thing you can do, the most important mistake you can avoid is not subscribing to the From Studio Stage YouTube channel. So be smart, learn how to use tracks in a way that's efficient, flexible, and stable. Uh, hit the subscribe button, enable the bell icon. You'll see when I go live every single day at 10 a.m. Central with a brand new tutorial showing you how to use Ableton Live. Um, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I'll be back next week. We've got something really special planned for December. Can't wait for you to hear those episodes. Gonna wrap up the year strong with some really cool content that's a little different uh, than previous episodes uh, that's gonna be super, super fun. So join me back here next Monday. Um, uh, if you're on YouTube, 10 a.m. Central, if you're on podcasts, like a uh, uh, little secret here. If you want to get this episode early, download it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can get it early before it actually goes live on YouTube. Just pro tip there. Uh, all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. But if not, then you can join me back here next week, 10 a.m. Central, uh, as we wrap up 2022, which is amazing. Um, I may do a bonus episode to kind of share some thoughts and uh, memories I have of 2022. But uh, it's been absolutely, absolutely incredible. Thank you for making 2022 an incredible year. Uh, let's finish the year strong. We'll head into December. Got some great episodes on the way coming your way. See you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.